0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the well here at STSA. Um, I hope you're as excited as I am for this new series, and hopefully you've been reading a little bit about it in our emails. Um, The series is called, Did Jesus Really Say That? Did Jesus Really Say That? And just to kind of give everyone a background of how we came up with it, I know it's a bit of a weird title. You might not be sure what that means exactly. um, But how we came about that title, I've been thinking to myself a lot, how often is it that I open up my Bible um, and I read a teaching that Jesus gave, And it's a really difficult teaching. It almost seems impractical or impossible. And then I think to myself, you know what? Even if I don't do it consciously, maybe subconsciously, oh, that's a really beautiful teaching. I close my Bible and you close your Bible and you put it onto the side and you don't even think twice about it. But let me ask you something. Was that really the goal? Is that what Jesus had in mind when he taught? Did he think, you know what? I'm going to teach people so that when they read this thousands of years from now, they open it up and they just say, oh, that's a really nice teaching? Oh, that's really nice. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, Jesus is so nice. Was that really the goal? Look, I wish that we can all get away with that. But as Christ followers, we cannot get away with that. As his disciples, we cannot get away with that. We are called to be the body of Christ. We're called to imitate Christ. So all the teachings that Jesus gave, no matter how difficult they may seem, we have to practice those teachings. um, And we have to be obedient to those teachings. St. James says it this way. He says, for, anyone, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Does that sound familiar? Kind of like the Bible illustration, right? I read my Bible. Oh, that's a nice teaching. Close my Bible, and I put it away, immediately forgetting what I just read. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the law of freedom, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You catch that? There's a difference between just reading and closing out my Bible. There's a difference between hearing the word and doing the word. Jesus' teachings are not meant to be just heard, they're meant to be done. They're meant to be obeyed, no matter how difficult the teachings are. So, what we're gonna talk about during this series is we're gonna look at four different teachings. Um, that Jesus gave that are pretty difficult. Um, Some would say impractical, maybe even impossible. Uh, But Jesus wasn't preaching theoretical knowledge. He was teaching things that he expected us to do and to obey. And I'll be honest with you, some of them, uh, right off the bat, you're going to have your defense mechanisms up, I'm going to have my defense mechanisms up, and we're just going to have to put those guards down and and approach it um, with an open heart. We're not going to settle for just being hearers of the word, but we're going to want to be doers of the word. Said in another way, we will not substitute knowledge for obedience. We will not substitute knowledge for obedience. The temptation throughout the series, throughout any time you read scripture, is to substitute knowledge for obedience. Knowledge is great. And without knowledge, you can't really have obedience. I can't obey something I don't know. But there's a difference between knowledge and obedience. Knowledge I read something, I know it, I learn, but that's not the same as obedience. I can be very knowledgeable on humility, it doesn't mean I'm humble. I can be very knowledgeable on the importance of integrity, it doesn't mean I have integrity. Christ calls us to be more than just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, no matter what the teaching is, no matter how impractical or how um, uh, radical it may seem. And that was precisely the point when Jesus gave a lot of his teachings was that it was meant to be challenging. And it was meant to challenge the status quo back then in their context, but also for us today. What we'll find out is that the teachings that seemed so radical back then are still kind of radical today. They're not universally practiced. So with that, okay, so so with that kind of backdrop in mind, with that context in mind, we're going to just jump right in to the very first um, passage that we're going to discuss together, And it's a famous passage. It's from the Sermon on the Mount, and it comes to us from the Gospel of St. Matthew. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and dive right in. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Whoa, right off the bat. This is welcome to the Well Series part one. We just picked one of the toughest passages. Probably one of the ones that changed the the, the paradigm altogether, turned everything upside down, was this passage right here. And I know what you're thinking before you even say it. I know it because I'm thinking it. Because we've all thought it. All the red flags come up, right? Well, does that mean Jesus just wants us to be pushovers? Is that what he wants? He just wants me to be a pushover, right? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that I'm just supposed to see social injustices and evil in the world and just say, it's okay, just endure it, you're fine, just endure it, just endure it, just endure it? Is that what that means? No, it's not what that means. In fact, we see that Jesus himself um, went into the temple and cleansed the temple overturned the, 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 the tables of the money changers because that, they were scammers. They were you know, taking advantage of the people. So it wasn't right, and he took action. But here's going to be our challenge throughout the series. Instead of dispelling all the things that the command isn't, how about I take a more humble approach and say, you know what? I will not substitute knowledge for obedience. You see the temptation with all of this is that we open up our our Bibles, we read the teachings of Christ, and we say, well, what did Jesus really mean? And and give me, you know, this doesn't really apply. It's not really relevant. But no, 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 no. How about we take a more humble approach and we say, Lord, I don't want to just substitute knowledge for obedience. I don't want to just be puffed up in knowledge, as St. Paul says, but I want to obey your words. Our natural inclination is to put our guards up, me and you, together, to make excuses why it's not relevant and move on with our lives. But instead, what we ought to do is we say, Lord, humbly, teach us how to obey your words. I don't quite get it. I don't quite see what you're saying. Teach me how to do this in my personal life today. With that being said, I do want to give context to uh, this passage, uh, at least the first part of this passage. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, A lot of people uh, will will reference that from scripture. Um, and It's a very common saying. It comes to us from the the book of Exodus. Um, And it's actually called the law of retaliation. The law of retaliation. On the surface, it makes it sound like, you know what, this is how you should retaliate. Uh, and that's actually how people started using it in their personal lives. That is not at all what the law was meant to do, okay? So to give context to it, early on in in the Jewish society, in order to have justice within the community, in order to have some sort of governing authority within the community, God gave laws in order to protect the people from themselves. And what this law of retaliation was all about is, I don't want people to seek vengeance ridiculously like this is like let's let's make sure that everything makes sense from a government perspective like somebody gives me a paper cut now it's not within your right to go beat that person up and take all their possessions like those two things aren't even eye for an eye tooth for a tooth was meant to keep things fair to keep things even from a justice standpoint within the community where that all got twisted is then people said well no that person insulted me eye for an eye tooth for a tooth i have to retaliate in my personal relationships, I have to retaliate. I have to get even. I have to get back. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. That's not the point of the law. The point of the law wasn't to give you an excuse to retaliate. Or you know what? You have to retaliate, but only up to this much. No, that's not the point of the law. That wasn't the spirit of the law. They took the law that was supposed to keep peace and reversed it and made it a law of vengeance. A law uh, to, to to retaliate personally on a personal level. And Jesus What he's pointing at here is a heart issue, um, and that's really what he cares about. And he wants hearts that desire love and peace over vengeance. That we strive to overcome evil with good in our personal relationships. That we, instead of immediately retaliate for every little insult that hurts our ego, that we provide good instead. We offer good instead. We offer kindness. We offer love instead. Said in another way, instead of the starting point, which was in their mindset being, and to be honest, it's kind of in our mindset, somebody did X to me, so I have to retaliate up to this much. He said, how about a different starting point? Always start with selfless love, even when you are being, you know, insulted, even when you're you're, you're being hurt by the person in front of you. Always start with selfless love. Again, not at the cost of, of again, social injustice or anything like that. Again, Let's not put up the guards and think of all the excuses, but how do I practically apply that in my life today? Ask yourself the question, like I ask myself the question. Someone insults me. How do I react? Someone insults me. How do I react? Someone backstabs me. What's my first inclination? What what am I tempted to do? Is it selfless love? Is it how do I overcome evil with good in this specific situation? Is that our natural reaction? The bar has been raised a lot. When Jesus came, the bar was raised. And and they took something that was in the law, twisted it, and he said, I'm not going to only untwist it, but I'm going to raise the bar. Instead of seeking vengeance that is disproportionate, let your starting point be selfless love. How do I overcome evil with good? Seek what the other person is in need of first, the person that hurt you. And this is a complete rewiring, a recreating of how we think and act and relate to one another. And this was a very difficult saying that Jesus gave. Um, if you've been following along with us in the, in the book of Acts, um, Acts chapter 21, Okay, so during the Apostles' Fast, we've been reading the book of Acts. And at this point, hopefully everyone is done. But if not, you can continue reading, obviously. Um, Acts chapter 21 has become one of my favorite chapters um, in all the book of Acts. And it's basically a story about how St. Paul is, he he goes back to Jerusalem, meets with the apostles. The apostles say, hey, just to settle everything down, how about you go perform um, a, a ritual in the temple, the cleansing ritual? just so the, 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 the Jewish believers who are really tight about the law, they're just at ease in this situation. And he says, fine. St. Paul probably didn't even really need, think he needed to go, but he was like, okay, fine, I'll go to the temple and I'll do this um, ritual. He goes to the temple, minding his own business, and all of a sudden, a group of people attack him, drive him out of the temple, and beat him almost to death. And the only reason they stop, the only reason they stop, is because Roman guards come and the commander comes and he heard that there's a riot, he heard there's, there's craziness happening, so he comes and then they stop. And as he stops, as they stop, the Roman guards, it says, the soldiers had to pick him up because the violence was so devastating, he couldn't even lift himself up. He was on the brink of death. Fierce Saint Paul. How do you act in that situation? And this this is way beyond now. I was talking about insults before. This was physical violence that he received for the sake of the gospel. How do you react? How would I react? The soldiers pick up St. Paul. He looks at the commander and he says, let me speak to the people. Let you speak to the people. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're going to give them the business. You're going to tell them the wrath of God. You're going to give give it to him, and you should. Nobody would have even said anything. You should, St. Paul. You you go. Do your thing. Then he continues to preach the gospel to them and how Jesus completely altered his way of thinking and how he was once one of those people who was involved in the violence against the church, in the persecution against the church. He says, this is why I'm not anymore. When St. Paul was on the brink of death, people beating him, And they are basically happy that he's going to go away, that he's going to leave. The commanders are going to take him. They're going to drive him away. And they say, yeah, take him away. If you're St. Paul, if I'm St. Paul, thank God the Roman soldiers rescued me. Thank God. His response? Let me just give it one more time. Let me just give it one more chance. I just want to speak to the people. I want to proclaim the good news to them. Maybe they'll change their minds. Always start with selfless love. Not retaliation, not vengeance. Always start with selfless love. And this gives us hope. Someone like St. Paul, who was on the opposite side of Christianity for a long time, when he became part of the Christian movement, this is what the Holy Spirit and God did in his life, in his heart. That he was able to endure such persecutions that he could preach to the people despite them insulting him. That's an extreme example. I don't know many of us that are going through something like that today. But with that being said, How do we react when people insult us, when people hurt us? Is our inclination is, I'm going to continue to love? I'm going to continue to show that person that, you know what? I'm going to try to, to be good to you, to be kind to you, to be compassionate to you, to show you grace, to show you love, show you kindness. What's our reaction? And if that wasn't hard enough, Jesus continues in the passage, and he says the following. You have heard that it was said, again, you have heard that it was said, this is a common saying. Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Okay, loving your neighbor is a good thing. Hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, what are your guards this time? We went through our, 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 you know, our guards the first time. What are your guards this time? It's a nice saying and everything. Just tell you kind of what goes on in my head. Like I'm sure it goes on in your head. But I mean, I don't really have enemies. Like yeah, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people at their time. This isn't really a practical saying for me today. It's a difficult teaching for sure for them, but I don't really have enemies. Are you sure? Let's talk about them first. Put them in context. They had enemies everywhere they looked. Romans exploited them at every turn, violent towards them, taxed them too highly, took advantage of them, exploited them. It was just miserable experience under the Romans. They hated them. Samaritans. Jesus gave the parable to Good Samaritan to make a point. The, saying a Good Samaritan was an oxymoron. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Too different than us. Believe different things. Tax collectors. Romans are one thing, they conquered us. Tax collectors? They're a bunch of sellouts. They sold us out. They betrayed us in order to make money. They literally sold us out. They had no shortage of enemies. But what about us? I mean, we don't certainly have people in our lives that we think are too controlling, do we? People in authority that we despise, do we? Certainly we don't have people that have different ideologies, like the Jews and Samaritans have different ideologies and beliefs. We don't have that in our lives. People that have different ideologies and beliefs that only if they could see the world the way I see it, we would be on better terms. And certainly, we don't have people that have betrayed us, insulted us, or took advantage of us, right? We don't have any enemies, right? What's an enemy? An enemy is anyone that opposes opposes you and opposes me in any way. In any of the ways I listed or many other ways. Whether they are right or wrong in their position, that's the definition of an enemy. Someone that opposes me. And it is precisely that person, the oppressor, the betrayer, The person who opposes me, who I'm at odds with, that Jesus is calling me to love. Another word, you don't got to agree with them to love them. Even if you're mad with them, you got to love them. Even if you don't like them, (laughs) you still have to love them. And that is exactly the paradigm shift that Jesus was trying to ingrain in the minds of the people in his time, but is also trying to do with us today. We have to be honest with ourselves whenever we're going through these difficult teachings of Christ where he's raising the bar so high that we say, you know what? You're right. I do have people that oppose me. We just don't like the word enemy, but that's what an enemy is. You're right, Lord. I'm not good at taking insults that damage my ego. My immediate inclination is to retaliate. You're right. In this situation, we talked about always start with selfless love first instead of retaliation in the first example that Jesus gave. What about this one? Is there anything practically I can do to start loving my enemy? Like where do I even begin? Before I get to this next point, you're going to be tempted to tune me off once I show you the next slide. Don't. This is actually the words of Jesus, not mine. This is what he tells us to do. Prayer is the remedy for bitterness. Prayer is the remedy for opposition, for hate, whatever you want to call it. Prayer is the remedy for that. And I know this may seem out of left field, but I didn't make it up. In fact, it's Jesus himself who says, and sometimes we skip over this part of the verse because we don't think about it. Love your enemies and, he didn't stop there. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That seems like a strange command in the middle of a statement about love. I get love your enemies, okay, kind of I get, but pray for them. What's prayer going to do? You see, it's easy to pray for somebody you love, for their goodness, sincerely and genuinely. It's easy for me to stand up and pray for family members, to pray for, uh, you know, uh, church members and, and people that I love, that I, I adore. But have you ever tried to pray for somebody that you're angry with? Have you ever... Try to pray for someone that you're bitter at, someone you haven't forgiven, someone you completely disagree with and you find yourself always at odds with, fighting against. Someone who, from your stance, from your vantage point, seems to be pure evil. Have you ever tried to pray for that person? And I know we already agreed that this is difficult, that it's hard, but again, we will not substitute knowledge for obedience. I can not, you know, from my from my mind, I can say, it's too difficult, not practical. Agree- it's difficult, but it's actually very practical. We just don't want to practice it. God knows exactly what he's doing. If you've ever come to me before um, in, in confession or sat with me um, and, and explained a situation or a relationship where you've been at odds with someone, you'll be surprised that one of the first things I, I tell you is you got to pray for that person. And most people don't want to hear that. You know, most people are, what does prayer have to do with any of this? Prayer is a mystery. And and prayer is something that transforms the hearts of others, but also our own hearts. Prayer is our communication with God and putting everything before Him. And if I'm praying for someone else, the more I engage in an act of loving on someone through prayer, praying for their good genuinely, not like, you know, praying like that God spiked them or vengeance or any of that stuff, but praying genuinely for their good. The Holy Spirit works in my heart and in your heart. And I know you. you if you've done this, you've experienced it. But well, now you have more grace towards that person. Now you have more compassion towards that person. You have more love towards that person. Because what you realized is what I realize. When we stand up, and say, Lord, I'm mad at so-and-so, but God, I'm, I'm praying for that person. Lord, I'm so bitter at this person, but I'm, I'm praying for their goodness, for their whatever they're in need of, Lord, that you would provide for them. And Lord, teach me how to love them. What you'll realize is that God the Father does the same thing with us every single day. He, sign, he, he, he shines his Son, as the scripture says, on both the righteous and the unrighteous. The wicked and the merciful. In God's eyes, there are none that are holy except Him. So when I stand there before God and I ask for things, and He provides me the things that I need, He's providing it to someone who is wicked, not holy. So how can I pray for someone so they did this, 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 and this? What have you done before God? Are you perfect? You know, I'm sure you're better than me, but are you perfect? And God still shows mercy. And God still shows love. And that is why Jesus equates this to imitating the Father. That is a true sign of someone who imitates the Father because that's the Father's love, and that's how he pours out his love towards those who are righteous and unrighteous, the wicked and the merciful. Prayer is nothing but, uh, anything but passive. So sometimes people think like prayer, well, that's a passive thing to do. That's not really an active thing to do. Far from it prayer is active and prayer is hard prayer is not easy sometimes it's actually easier to do things than to pray so Jesus challenge for us to pray for those who persecute us for those who oppose us that's a very active thing to do you want a practical you got it now it's on us to practice it to be obedient to it if you're really thinking to yourself these are really hard teachings and and you know look i get that these are the teachings of christ I get I'm supposed to obey them. You know, I, I'm, I'm with you so far. I get that we're not supposed to substitute knowledge for obedience. But man, these are hard. Like, these might be even impossible. Like, just can cut us a break, Jesus. These are hard teachings. Don't worry. You're not on your own. If you were on your own, you have every right to be worried. But you're not on your own. You want to think that this is impossible, that this can't be done? I just told you an example about St. Paul, and there's so many other examples in Scripture that show us that it can be done, that we can do this when, we're, when we are letting God work in our lives. Sincere of Alexandria says it this way. But perhaps you will object saying within yourself, Christ was God, but I'm a frail man. You speak rightly. For the mind of man easily slides into wrongdoing. You're right. The mind of man easily slides into wrongdoing. Next slide. Nevertheless, I say, the Lord has not left you destitute of his compassion and love. He is by your side. Yes, even within you. By the Holy Spirit, for we are his home, and he lodges in the souls of them that love him. He rests in the souls of them that love him. He gives you strength to bear nobly whatever may come, and to courageously resist the attacks of temptations. This isn't a random quote by St. Cyril of Alexandria. This is actually um, commentary on this specific passage. Um, and, And he is making the point that, hey, I get that this seems impractical. I get that this seems impossible, that this seems too hard. It seems too difficult. But God didn't ask you to do this on your own. He lives within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God himself, lives in you, and he will be the one that will guide you through it. Our temptation throughout this series, including today, will be to look at these difficult teachings and say, oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I knew that already. But that's not what Christ is going for. Or, or even, you know what, I'm going to put my guards up here because I have this excuse, this excuse, but what was really the context? Does this really apply to me? Is it really relevant today? That's not the point. The point, very simply, was to obey and to change the whole world through this obedience. Jesus wasn't given teachings just to give them he was giving teachings to establish this new upside down kingdom that things worked counterintuitively but they worked the way that he works he wanted us to imitate what he does will we choose the path of selfless love in the passage today always start with selfless love or will we choose with retaliation no what's mine is mine What's fair is fair in our personal relationships and our dealing with one another. Will we let things go? Will we forgive? Will we love? Will we give back? Will we look at people who oppose us? And will we want to, um, uh, you know, uh, spite them, want to hate them, want to be bitter towards them? Will we pray for them? Pray for them sincerely and genuinely and see what God does through the mystery of prayer in our lives. This path isn't an easy one. This is challenging. But as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called to live against the status quo. We're not called to live the way that society expects us to behave. We're called to rise above that. And person shows this level of hate, I show this level of love. Person shows this level of anger, I show this level of kindness and compassion and grace. And we're not going to do it on our own. We have no shot to do it on our own. But God has promised us by the power of the Holy Spirit that He will help us to do that if we will just obey and listen and not substitute knowledge for obedience. Let's bow our heads for prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to um, meditate on your words, uh, to to know your words and to learn your words, but more importantly, Lord, to be called to obey what you have taught us um, through your beautiful, wonderful teachings that will truly change the world, um, change us, and change everyone around us. Teach us, Lord, what it means to truly um, live by, by selfless love and, and not to retaliate and to truly love our enemies, anyone that is opposing us, Lord. Um, teach us, Lord, how to do that by the power and grace of your Holy Spirit who lives inside us. We ask you, Lord, that you hear our prayers through the intercessions of all your saints. Here it says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord finds a kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you all so much. Hope everyone has a wonderful week. And we'll see you all here next week.